Class 11, The Book of Ezra Part 1. Video 1, Ezra Nehemiah, Bible Project, 8.5 minutes. Author, compiled and written by Ezra. Date, completed by 450-400 BC, during the reign of King Artaxerxes, 465-424 BC outline dash. I, 1-2, return and registration of the first group of exiles. 2. 3-6, rebuilding and dedication of the temple. 3. 7-8, return of the second group of exiles. 4. 9-10, abolishment of mixed marriages. Key theme slash events dash. 1. The restoration of what was stolen. In Ezra 1-7, we read that Cyrus, Cyrus 2, brought out the vessels that King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon had stolen from Solomon's temple and placed them in the house of his gods. I find it interesting that there is no record of Nebuchadnezzar giving back those items after God humbled him in his seven years of madness, when he acknowledged God as the King of Heaven, Daniel 4. We are not told why he did not return the items. Perhaps he died before he could organize it, or he didn't think about it. But God did have other plans, which is one reason it didn't occur until the edict of King Cyrus of Persia. In God's timing, he, through Cyrus, gave the vessels of Solomon's temple back to his people. Application, I think of my son, who is a toddler now. Sometimes when he needs to be disciplined, we, his mother or I, will take away one of his toys. This gets his attention, and when he learns the lesson, or after some time, he gets his toy back. That's what God was doing to the southern kingdom of Judah. They needed to be disciplined, and when their time out, to use that phrase again, was over, he gave them back those items. For us, God does that at times. It could be a possession, a relationship, our health, or something else but he may take away something that is precious to us, because of our disobedience, and after we have learned our lesson, he gives it back to us. Now, this is not always the case, but it does happen. If you find yourself in this situation, go to him, confess your sin, learn your lesson, and ask him for restoration, for whatever it is. 2. The return to the land and reconstruction of Jerusalem and the temple. Connected to the restoration of the items that had been previously stolen, is the return to the land and the reconstruction of the temple. There were three returns of the Jews from the Persian Empire back to the land of Israel. The first was under Cyrus II, or Cyrus the Great in 538-6 BC, after he conquered Babylon. The second was under Ezra in 458 BC, recorded in Ezra 7-7, and the third was in 455 BC, recorded in Nehemiah 1-1. The last two took place under the Persian king Artaxerxes I Longimanus, who ruled from 464-424 BC, after Xerxes. 485-464 BC. Artaxerxes I was not a major ruler, but one of great importance to the Jewish people. See additional info below in the quote. The books of Ezra and Nehemiah, one book in the Jewish Old Testament or Tanakh, give the accounts of these returns, the reconstruction of the temple under Zerubbabel the governor, and the rebuilding of the city of Jerusalem and its walls. Referring to Ezra 1. The first year is the first regnal year of Cyrus, beginning in Nisan, the spring new year, 538 BC, after his capture of Babylon in October 539. Ezra 1-1-3 are virtually identical with 2 Chronicles 36-22-23. Menahem Haran has argued that these are catch lines, which indicate that the same chronicler composed both Chronicles and Ezra Nehemiah. Since a single scroll could not contain all these books. This was Jeremiah's prediction, Jeremiah 25-1-12, cf. 51-11 of a 70-year Babylonian captivity. The first deportations began in 605 BC, in the third year of Jehoiakim, see Dan. 1-1. One, one. 
the 70th year would be 536. We know that the Persian kings paid close heed to prophecies, Cambyses to Egyptian oracles, Darius and Xerxes to Greek oracles. Isaiah explicitly named Cyrus as the Lord's anointed, Isaiah 45 1, cf. 44:28, and implicitly refers to him in other passages, 41-2, 25, 45 18. 1. Second Chronicles 36 22-23, Now in the first year of Cyrus king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus king of Persia so that he sent a proclamation throughout his kingdom, and also put it in writing, saying, This is what Cyrus king of Persia says, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever there is among you of all his people, may the Lord his God be with him, go up then. After seventy years of being in captivity in another nation, with another language, under God's judgment, though protected by him, and according to God's promise, the people were free to go home. You can read the details in 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles, Ezra, and Nehemiah. Why emphasize this? It had never happened before in history. This was the first time. God has only done this for his people, the Jews. In fact, he did it again in 1948. The Jews were kicked out of Israel in the 100s AD. But, after the horrible atrocity of Hitler in World War II, the Jews went back to their land and re-established the nation of Israel again, after being kicked out of their land more than 1800 years prior while under Roman rule. God did this not just once, but twice. Upon their return, the first major project was to construct a new temple. Remember, Solomon's temple had been utterly destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar and his army in 586 BC. The second temple was not as grand as the first, but it was a testimony to God's faithfulness, despite the faithlessness of his people. When they set the foundation in place, there were cries of joy and mourning as recorded in Ezra 3 8-13. Construction was paused until God sent prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, to tell the people to stop focusing on their own homes and get back to work in building his temple. The leadership and people listened, and the second temple was completed, though it took 20 years. Below is a picture of Zerubbabel's temple. Compare it to Solomon's temple and you will see a drastic difference. One thing to understand about Zerubbabel's temple. The Ark of the Covenant wasn't there. The Holy of Holies, or Most Holy Place was constructed, but the Ark was gone. Where? Again, we don't know. 3. Purifying the Marriages. The book talks about this and there is a quote in the historical context which will give a few more details, but the purification of the marriages of the people can bring up questions, concerns, and misunderstandings. Why was this done? Why was it such a big deal? Doesn't God hate divorce? And more. This is a significant portion of Ezra, covering two chapters, 9 to 10, so it must be important. Ezra 9 1 4, Now when these things had been completed, the return of exiles and treasure placed in the temple, the officials approached me, saying, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the peoples of the lands, as to their abominations, those of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. For they have taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy race has intermingled with the peoples of the lands. Indeed, the hands of the officials and the leaders have taken the lead in this unfaithfulness. When I heard about this matter, I tore my garment and my robe, and pulled out some of the hair from my head and my beard, and sat down appalled. Then everyone who was frightened by the words of the God of Israel on account of the unfaithfulness of the exiles gathered to me, and I sat appalled until the evening offering. Remember, Ezra was a Levite of priestly heritage. These were his family land as tribe. These were his co-workers, and he was of high priestly heritage, 
which meant he had oversight and authority in the purity of those under him. When he heard that both the people and Levites did not separate from the pagan worship practices that put them into captivity in the first place, he was shattered, which is another way to translate appalled. The people had intermarried or intermixed with pagan people. As the book correctly notes on page 284, this was not about race or ethnicity, but religious beliefs and practices. This was forbidden, Exodus 34 15-16, Deuteronomy 7 1-4. This was pictured in Solomon's poor example and disobedience, when he married many foreign or pagan women, that turned his heart away from the Lord. In part, because of his poor leadership, he led the people away from the Lord too. Therefore, the purification of marriage was such a big deal. It was a struggle the Israelites had for generations. Application, the Lord knows our struggles. He knows what we can handle and what will hurt us. Just as He knew the weak points of the Israelites, He knows our weaknesses. The principles remain. If there is something you struggle with, stay away from it as best and as much as you can. If you struggle with alcohol, don't go near it. If you struggle with lust, don't go to the beach during spring break or on the weekend. If you struggle with pride, be aware of what feeds it. Whatever it may be, know yourself and recognize that God has put boundaries in our lives because He loves us and is protecting us. Don't get angry at His limitations. Ezra was appalled at this mixing of the pure with the impure. Now, I must remind you, that if the women rejected their pagan gods and practices, and embraced the God of Israel, followed Him in His ways, like Rahab or Ruth did, then they would be accepted within the Jewish community. But, if not, then they would have to leave. As the book states, there was a three-month period where an investigation was done, Ezra 10 9-17. So, this was not a haphazard decision-making process. Application, you may say, that is cruel. No. They should have followed the law of God to begin with. They should have known better. There are consequences we bear in our disobedience. In this case, the men suffered, the women suffered, and in some cases, the children suffered. But those who retained their pagan practices were free to go back home, just like Orpah and Ruth were given that opportunity. This was just. It was not unjust under the Mosaic law. The people admitted their guilt, and some of the priests offered sacrifices, see 10 13 19, which covered their guilt and sin. This was a spiritual matter. Ezra knew this and the people did too. They recognized it was because of that very sin, God's anger burned against their forefathers, and they thought against them too, as stated in 10 14b. Naturally, some objected. We are not told why. Maybe they loved their wives very much. Maybe they were afraid of being found out. Maybe they didn't want to follow God's law. Maybe they made excuses for their sin. Maybe they thought the leaders were going too far. We are not told, but. Application, when you are determined to do what God says and what He wants, there will always be opposition, and those who will tell you not to do it. It may be said or expressed in a variety of ways, but be discerning, be wise, and whatever the cost, obey God. Most of the people were willing to obey God, and the new foundation was made pure. This was the spiritual goal of Ezra. There was no humiliation, nor personal vengeance, nor anything other than the man of God, Ezra, telling the people of God to obey God. I'm sure there were many tears, hurt feelings and broken hearts. Pain is always the result of disobedience. This was a major problem that had to be addressed. Applications 1. We need to check our lives. Are there relationships that are leading you away from the Lord? I'm not talking about a spouse. But friends, or those whom you spend a lot of time with? I know that sometimes family can stretch our relationship with Christ and lead us away from Him too. Boundaries may need to be set. But if you know there are friends that are not drawing you closer to the Lord, then you need to evaluate your relationship with them. 2. 
Sin and problems must be dealt with. You cannot ignore them. You cannot make excuses for the sin, or the sinner who commits that sin. I know that in some cultures, dealing with problems is not done. But I promise you. That will only end up worse in the long run. Whether it is an addiction, pornography, lying, arrogance, or whatever it is. But, it is scary to know what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. Pray. Ask God to give you the words. Ask God to soften the other person's or group's heart. Ask God to give you the strength and boldness to speak His truth. But most of all, ask God to give you the love you need to confront. God loves us, and He confronts us in our sin. He calls us to do the same, see Galatians 6 1. Now, more on the context and the mixed marriage situation. Historical context. A. First the overall context. Our author is intensely concerned with the purity of faith in Yahweh, the God of Israel. This purity is to be found in keeping the commandments in the book of the law of God. All the reforms mentioned in the book are based on the law, and the repentance in Ezra 10 and Nehemiah 9-10 is in both cases solely in light of what is said in the law. This also accounts for the emphasis on the priests and Levites, as in Chronicles, because of their role both in teaching the law and maintaining purity of worship. Crucial to this reform is the crisis over national identity, who constitutes the true remnant of the people of God and thus is in genuine continuity with the past. It is in this context that you can best understand the urgent concern over intermarriage, Ezra 9-10, Nay 9-2, 10-28-30, 13-23-28. Thus the suggestion that Ezra Nehemiah is mostly about community building is not far off the mark, it is indeed about rebuilding the community of God, based on the religious realities of the past. This concern over a pure people of God worshipping in a purified temple in a newly consecrated city. 2. This helps us see the big picture of the book. The rebuilding of the temple is paralleled with the rebuilding of the community. Ezra and Nehemiah are connected and continue the historical narrative of the kingdom of Judah and their return from captivity, after being in Babylon for 70 years. While not all returned, and in fact, a very small portion returned, God still used them to further His plan. The temple needed to be rebuilt, the national observances of the feasts of the Lord needed to be re-established, the people needed to be purified, the nation needed to hear the Word of God once again. This was a renewal. This was starting over again. Application, if you have had to start over again in your life, then you know what is involved. Perhaps your past is less than Christian, or you had to go through a divorce, a bankruptcy, a serious health issue that wiped out your savings, a job loss after working for a company for 30 or more years. Or any number of horrendous situations. First, my heart goes out to you, and breaks for you. I am so sorry it happened. Second, I pray you will see how God gives not just second chances, but third, fourth, fifteenth, five hundred millionth and more. As hard as it was and as difficult as the situation was or the lessons learned were, you too can start over. By God's grace, enablement by His Spirit, and your commitment to do things His way, He will help you rebuild our spiritual life, your relationships, your work ethic, your emotions, and more. May He bless you, encourage you, enable you and give you an abundance of His grace to move forward. b. The Persians, Cyrus, his edict to return and Esther. Next is the Medo-Persian Empire, which arose after Babylon. This initially was a two-nation empire, the Medes, and Persians. When Cyrus the Great arose to power in 559 BC, he defeated the Medes, and the Persian Empire was officially born and flourished for 200 years, from about 539 to 331-0 BC, after they defeated the Babylonians. I refer to Nelson's New Illustrated Bible Dictionary for a summary of this empire, Cyrus, his edict and the political and historical context. Please note, 
This is also the historical context for the books of Nehemiah and Esther as well. The Babylonian Empire fell to the Persians, setting the stage for the return of the Jews to Jerusalem in 538 BC, following their long period of captivity by the Babylonians. The Old Testament contains many references to the nation of Persia and its representatives. Ezra 9-9 refers to the kings of Persia. Ezra 6-14 cites Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes king of Persia. Daniel 8-20 speaks of the kings of Media and Persia. Daniel 10-13 mentions the prince of the kingdom of Persia. The book of Esther refers to the powers of Persia and Media, 1-3, the seven princes of Persia and Media, 1-14, and the ladies of Persia and Media, 1-18. Daniel 5-28 prophesied that Belshazzar's kingdom would be given to the Medes and Persians. The Persians apparently sprang from a people from the hills of Russia known as Indo-Aryans. As early as 2000 BC, they began to settle in Iran and along the Black Sea coast. Two of these Indo-European tribes settled on the Elamite border and to the east of the Zagros mountain range. The first references to them are made in the inscriptions of Shalmaneser III, 858-824 BC. They are noted as the Parsua, Persians, and Madai, Medes. The first mention of a Persian chieftain refers to his role as an ally aligned against Sennacherib of Assyria. His son was called King, Great King, King of the city of Anshan. His grandson fathered Cyrus II, also known as Cyrus the Great, who was one of the most celebrated kings of history. He is called by the prophet Isaiah my shepherd, is. 4428. In another passage he is referred to as his, the Lord's, anointed, is. 45-1, a term used in the Old Testament of the Messiah. He is the only pagan king to be so designated in the Old Testament. Cyrus II, founder of the mighty Persian Empire, ascended the throne in Anshan in 559 BC he conquered the Median king Astyages. Then he defeated Lydia, about 546 BC, and Babylon, 539 BC, finally establishing the Persian Empire. This last conquest is referred to in Daniel 5. Cyrus' rule was a result of the sovereignty of God. Cyrus was the Persian king who issued the decree restoring the Jews to their homeland, following their long period of captivity by the Babylonians, 2 Chr. 36-22-23, Ezra 1-1-4. 3. The prophet Daniel was still alive. Application, don't forget, the Bible was being written as history unfolded. You may have heard the phrase that history is his story, or God's story, and this is true. These historical events were often God's response to what his people were doing or not doing. He protected Judah during the Assyrian attempt to invade Jerusalem under Hezekiah. God also protected the Jews during Haman's attempt to eradicate the Jews in Persia under Xerxes or Ahasuerus rule and protected his prophets, Daniel or Ezekiel, who were in exile in Babylon. God intervened for his purpose, for his people and his glory. The nations and leaders were used by God for his purposes, and they were fully responsible for what they did and how kind or cruel they were to the Jews and others. But as before, the Lord used the Gentile nations to discipline his people as he promised he would, Deuteronomy 28. Below is a map of the Persian Empire, and you can see how much Cyrus II or Cyrus the Great expanded the empire. 458 BC. During the time of Ezra the Persian Empire had reached its greatest extent, engulfing nearly the entire Near East. In 539 BC the Persians under Cyrus the Great defeated the Babylonians and absorbed their territory into the empire, including the lands of Israel and Judah, known as Beyond the River. The next year Cyrus allowed the people of Judah to return home under the leadership of Zerubbabel and rebuild the Temple of the Lord. Later, around 458 BC, another group of Judean exiles returned under Ezra's leadership. 4. Image from ESV Study Bible, p. 801. God in the Book. 
the first chapter and early verses set up everything in the book, reflecting Ezra's perspective on what happened, God was responsible for everything. Rather than go through all of it, I found a chart in the ESV Study Bible, which is a great resource. Connection with Messiah and New Testament. I've given you quite a lot to read, though there are maps, charts, etc. I will include the connection with Messiah and the New Testament in the next class for Nehemiah, which was part of the Ezra scroll originally. Dash. 1. Walton, J. H. 2009. Zondervan Illustrated Bible Backgrounds Commentary, Old Testament, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Volume 3, pages 398-399. Grand Rapids, Michigan, Zondervan. 2. Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart, How to Read the Bible Book by Book, Grand Rapids, Michigan, Zondervan, 2002, 110. 3. Youngblood, R. F. Bruce, F. F. and Harrison, R. K. Thomas Nelson Publishers, Eds. 1995. In Nelson's New Illustrated Bible Dictionary. Nashville, Tennessee, Thomas Nelson Incorporated, Logos. 4. ESV Study Bible, Wheaton, Illinois, Crossway, 2008, 802.